0: Welcome everybody. I am Jesse Mogul and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can prepare, respond, and recover from any man-made or natural disaster or situation. And as always, you know, you know I'm excited to be here. Thank you for blessing us with about the next 30 minutes of your time. I'm going to get right into it because we got The man, the myth, the legend, our training extraordinaire, Denny G on the microphone. Welcome back to the show.
1: Jesse, how's it going? I am so excited to be back here in your studio. I have missed this place so much, and I am so glad you invited me back again.
0: It has been an honor to have you here the first time. I believe it was right shortly after you took over the lead training coordinator position. uh, We just got done shooting our inaugural first three episodes of the American Contingency Vlogcast vlog not vlog like the vampire but that was halloween was yesterday uh vlog cast and what we're going to do is we're going to have that showing up over um, on our members site as well as on the Facebook page that we have for people who have joined our Facebook group. So if you aren't a member of our Facebook group, guys, you listeners out there, go over to Facebook, type in American Contingency, join that. One of our admins will let you in once we had a chance to read over your answers to the questions. And, of course, if you're a member, well, then you know where to go because you've already been going there and checking out videos So enough of the uh, paperwork side of the podcast, how has life been for you at AMCON as the training coordinator? I know it was your goal to put out some really amazing content to help people get trained to prepare to respond, that you're the prepare part to respond and recover. How do you feel that that's been moving forward since you joined the team?
1: Really good now. I think I've hit my stride finally. You know, it's funny, when I first took over the role, I was super excited. Not that I'm not anymore, but, you know, super excited. Uh, I looked at the role like not much of a challenge. This was going to be easy. You know, we just jump in and I'm off to the races. And I have discovered, you know, it's not that easy of a task to completely try to create some sort of training program for a rather large organization our home american contingency right i think i'm at a point now that i have really hit my stride i've learned enough about who's out there what everybody's doing and i am really starting to actually right now i've i've started to actually put out actual training courses on our web platform now, and you'll be seeing them pop up all through the rest of these last three months. And we should have basic training rolled out across the nation by Christmas. What a nice Christmas present for our membership, right? It's
0: always really interesting to see that you are already working on a lot of the trainings for things that I've also been talking about. And I think it's really great for members to realize, okay, this is a living and breathing organization. We are constantly putting out new uh, valuable content. You know, this isn't like content in the words where people who are just posting three times a day on Instagram or TikTok. Like this is content that is meant for the paying members to really learn the things that we believe they should know in order to be more prepared to respond and recover.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges for me has been the focus, right? Because I came on board to create training for our 12 categories, which is always my goal, right? But you find out really quickly how the needs across the nation vary. Not everybody is interested in health or income and economics, right? Some people are want uh, mobility. And, and so it, I find myself as I go to meetings across the nation and meet up with groups and states and they ask for things, you find yourself getting sidetracked really quick doing other things. And it takes you away from the the main t- task of creating something that's broad enough to satisfy everyone, but yet informative enough so people get something out of it and say, "Okay, this was good." Where's the next one, right? So, yeah. plus, you know, you know how it is, Jesse. I mean, we've been working together since I came on board. There's a lot of great things that we think of that we can bring to the American Contingency Organization that I think are encompassed in that training umbrella that we want to do. And people will want to do it. Like I preach all the time, everything can't be done with one person or two people. It's a group, right? It's it's all of us collectively together, jumping on board, raising our hand and saying, hey, I'll bite off a little bit of that sandwich. I can't eat it all. But I'll have a little taste, you know, and I'll help out in in where we're going. And that's what will make it work eventually. And I think we're getting to that point. You know, we've got a lot of members across the nation that have raised their hand. They help out. And, you know, sometimes we get a little discouraged. Things don't move as fast as we want it to. But, you know, you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel here and there. And it it just reinvigorates you to the mission.
0: Well, I think that's one of the important things you just touched upon because it is such a big organization. The bigger aspect of it can move a little methodically at times. And that's why I love that we have City chapters we have the you know state chapters, we have regional chapters because when you start to you know narrow it down it 's sort of like we aren 't the u s government nor do we have any affiliation with them, but certainly when you look at how quickly a local like as you're you're, you're a member of the local uh, political sure. organization in your town, you guys can make decisions and they can go off and they can be acted upon more quickly than you know the big cumbersome d c machine can be same thing as far as organizational structures go, I think they all work this way. A team can move much faster than an entire organization can. And I think that's why it's important people who are members are active in their local chapter because then the changes that they instigate can become changes that we eventually move all the way up the chain of command.
1: Wow, I couldn't have said that better myself, Jesse. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, and that's why we're so encouraging people to form their groups, form their chapters. You know, people get afraid because they're so used to having um, a state group, right? Or they've been going to the regional meetings and they feel like this is my group. I don't want to separate from these people. And we're not asking you to separate. We're asking you to create more of a close knit, you know, people that are within your area, you know, people you can respond to. So you can take care of those Immediate needs you need in your area, your risks, you know, you could focus in on those. And then as it goes up the chain, collectively, the training develops, the the materials you need show up. You know what I mean? It all falls into place. But if we stay on that large level, that state level or that regional level, and we're always trying to create even the national and my level, and I'm always trying to push things down like here, I'm just going to teach everybody, you know, it just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So you, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, we we need to keep keep encouraging people. Don't be afraid. Build your little groups, you know, um, build your chapters work from that level, stay committed to your state, stay committed to your region, but have those local areas that you operate in on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, it makes me think of... Okay, so I was watching this video yesterday talking about the Great Plains states and how sparse of population they are. North Dakota has, I think, Fargo on the eastern side, right up on Minnesota's border, as well as Sioux City, South Dakota, is right up on the eastern border up against Minnesota. And we have a very active chapter, I want to say, in Custer South Dakota, but if oh, they're yeah. listening, they're, they, uh, if I'm wrong, I mean, is it Custer? No, no, they're,
1: vi- yeah, yeah, they're very, very big, very active. Very, yep. very
0: big, very active. And I don't know the mileage distance between Custer and South Dakota, but if a six-foot snow dump blizzard shows up, The idea that you could get somebody from Sioux City up to or down to or west of whatever, I don't know. Sorry, guys. I don't know South Dakota's geography as well Mm -hmm. as y'all to get somebody that far, you know, to get somebody from Tallahassee, Florida to Miami if there was a hurricane, not easy. So it's going back to organizational structure, turning the Titanic is a very slow process, turning a sea a very fast process. If you've got people in your local city, when six foot of snow or a mudslide come down, those are the people who can get to you the fastest. You might love your state or your region, but the likelihood that they can get to you an emergency respond for you within you know, a few hours of a disaster type situation, uh, it, it's very minimal. Then that's why I think having the local people, next door neighbors in your community watch or other American contingency members that are across the street or in your neighborhood or down the, or, you know, in around town, those are the ones that can get to you. And when we're talking about immediate needs and, and the necessities to help people fend off man-made natural disasters, you need somebody who can be at your house rather quickly.
1: Definitely, you know, and just to expand on that a little bit more, I think that it's the duty of the this, the larger group, right? So let's say I'm in a state, uh, vetted state chapter, right? And um, I'm being told, Hey, you need to start a, a local group. You know, you need a local chapter. You need to, you know, create that, that smaller group, you know, closer to yourself. I think it's the responsibility of that state to assist you in doing that, right? Because you're just a member. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to help. And they have all these members, all these resources, training, things they do already that they can bring to the table for you. Maybe show up at your block and help you host a block party or bring some people from that larger um, portion of American contingency to assist you in creating that for yourself. And then you're off to the races. Right. Because some of these groups, you know, they're functioning. They know how to do it. They should help, you know, and, you know, as well as we will, too, you know, we'll help where we can. But, hey, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm in Illinois. I don't know anything about South Dakota. How much am I going to be able to help? You know what I mean? So we need to rely on the people that are closest to us for that assistance.
0: Well, and that's where the regional the, the coordinators come in so handy. Sure. Because we, in the vlogcast, we were showing people all the different groups, and there's one like the North group and the West group. And you, you see North, and you realize that's all the Great Plains states. That's the Nebraska, the Iowa, the Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, and maybe Utah, but I'm not so sure. I think that might be West. Not important. What's important is that you realize, wow, that is a lot of area. And to ask somebody in Orlando or in Austin or, you know in in uh, san antonio to know what's going on up there in the winter or even in the summer i mean it's it's we look we can all know geography and and we can all know our country as well as we want to but nobody nothing is nothing beats boots on the ground and when you want to have helpful information in the moment you want to have people who are actually in your environment to be able to assist you
1: yeah and i i think I'd like to say one more thing, too. You know, I, I know a lot of members that are out there that are like, I call them the lone wolf, right? There's one member in like Idaho. This might not be the correct state or the, you know what I mean? But right. and you have that one member that it really wants to be here and they're really motivated, but they get do- so discouraged because they don't know how to get a, a group, form a group. They feel like they're alone. Right. I encourage them to first off, don't give up hope. Right. Second. M- Find the closest people near you, if it's the state, if it's the region, whatever that is, and try to make your way to be a part of their group in the beginning, just so you keep your motivational level high enough and you you start to meet and form bonds with those people so then they can go back with you to your areas and help you grow, right? Mm-hmm. With that yeah. assistance, you can make it happen and you know, and then it'll all come together. It's really hard when you're alone out there. We've all been there at one point or another, right? And and until we develop that circle around us. And, and it's just to let people know that, you know, don't sit on your hands. Don't feel like you're alone. You know, there are other people that want to help you. They just don't know you need your help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you brought in the word motivation immediately triggered like another 20 questions that I have for you. But uh, to bring in this broader idea of motivation, that's where a lot of people get we get fired up. Right. So there's this idea of intensity, intensity versus consistency. And a lot of people join and a lot of people get, you know a natural disaster, man-made disaster in their area. And all of a sudden they get very intense. I need to have three days of water and food. I need to have shelter warmth, my income economics, my mobility. They get super intense into all this stuff, but it, it begins to wane the further they get away from that, you know, catastrophe, if you will, Mm. that occurred to them. Right. And so this is why I think the membership is so vital because it helps people to stay motivated. I I would rather have a team full built on consistent people rather than intense people because intensity can wane. And at some point a month later, you're like, yeah, I joined, but never did anything with it versus the consistent person who stays motivated by staying active. And that's a great, segue into all of these categories that we have, Denny, when you start to build trainings up around them, it's really meant to help give people information so they can train deeper at a level that they can't just find for free on the internet. And then they can actually go off and they can put this stuff into action and teach it to other people in their communities to motivate others for that consistency, not necessarily the intensity.
1: Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I thought you know, when I looked at everything, I thought, you know, what would be the most important thing to give informationally to, to for basic in all our categories? And I thought, you know, what would be the best is to motivate people on categories, right? To give them enough knowledge where they say, boy, you know, I understand the importance of this in my preparedness role or boy, I really like this, right? And and make them want to go out and discover more. We, I may not be able to create that more fast enough for you to want to devour it, right? But with your motivation, you may go then into our groups on American Contingency and start to join in with, you know, mobility or, you know, income and economics and start to really progress fast down those avenues just by taking those basic classes and, and you know, giving you the motivation. And those people are out there. And boy, Jesse, you know, as well as I do, we got a lot of heavy hitters in our organization. There's a lot of experts in all our fields that exist and they're out there and people just don't realize it until they reach out and discover you know, these, mm-hmm. these, these assets we have. And, you know, a lot of these people they do it for a living or they're busy, like we are, you know, and they don't have a lot of time to to be on a pedestal and teach or, or train, but they're there and they're members yeah. and they want to participate and they want to help. That's why I encourage everybody, you know, get, get motivated, get out there, start saying hello to people, start clicking away on that keyboard and say, Hey, hi, I'm Denny G from Illinois. I want to meet you. What do you do? Next thing you know, you know,
0: Yes. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we have so many ex military in our organization. It's this idea that you leave the military and yes, you're always going to have your friends and you're going to have your platoon, your troop. You're going to have those people that you worked with closely and hopefully that you live near enough to them that you can maintain those friendships. But you generally, uh, at some point, just life becomes life and you become to get more separated from them. And yet there's still all this knowledge in their heads. There's all this uh, inspirationalness, if you will, to help other people gather as a team to complete a mission to succeed somewhere. And I, you know, I, in my other life outside of American Contingency, I'm called an inspirational speaker, a motivational speaker. And, and I believe that I can inspire someone, but that motivation is internal. They have to find that thing that says, you know what, today I'm going to make sure I do one more thing to pre- prepare my cash in my garage to be ready for the next hurricane. Uh, that's why I think so many of our, our members are our former military, as they were looking for a community where they could get around instead of just swapping old war stories, they're actually exchanging information that is actually benefiting them in the now to go off and then increase their community's fortitude and resiliency so that when things do come out of nowhere, they're as prepared as anybody can be when chaos rolls through.
1: I always encourage people, keep an open mind, right? You go out there and you reach out, you know, I might be just, I just can't stand income econ- and economics, right? I just can't stand it. I don't want to learn it. I don't want to, you know, cause it just bores me. Right. But I reach out and I meet some ex green beret, you know, high speed, low drag shooter. And I get so excited because I want to, I want to befriend him and learn how to shoot and learn how to be high speed. And the next thing, you know, I realize that he just is dying to learn about income and economics. And I look up to him so much and all his experiences that not only do I learn about firearms, but I start to discover income and economics just by befriending this member and, you know, kind of shadowing him or, and, you know, the veterans, a lot of our veterans, they, believe it or not, they don't, you know, first off, they don't think of themselves as experts at anything, right? You know, they're just some guy like me and you that are, you know, have done something for for a while and they know you know, a little bit more about it than we do, but they just want to be treated like everybody else. So keeping that open mind, you know, and, and going out there, you you just never know what you're going to discover and learn. And Hey, Jesse, the bottom line is this, right? We have 12 categories for a reason. We want everybody to be proficient at all 12 eventually. So if that's what it takes to get you over the hump on some of the ones that you don't like, so be it, you know, use that as the catalyst.
0: Yes, it's interesting you say that about income economics, and it's not your favorite. I'm over here looking at a list. We've got communication, medical, security, mobility, food and water, income economics, health, community leadership, outdoor skills, situational awareness, defense, home and family. And while I'm generally interested in all of them, I think like communication and mobility are just, it's like, okay, I don't know. Where have have good shoes to walk a long way and have a ham radio. <laughs> and I don't remember who it was. Oh goodness. You know, go back through the archives of the podcast. One of the members uh, came on, and he was talking about. Uh, I think they all touch upon communications at one point, but he was specifically saying how you can go to Walmart and get a ham radio for like twenty-five bucks, and it's just like a really, it's it's a really amazing way to to have more communication. And that's on my Christmas list this year sure. is to get one of those. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that. And I honestly, that's about as far as I plan on going with it. But I have Tom Rigsby living in my city, so if anything goes sideways, I just show up at his house with at least enough food and water for myself. And my girlfriend, and because he's often said, "Oh, you're coming over to my house, are you? What are you bringing?" Because, (laughs) right? We're we're not throwing a concert, right? We're 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 in survival mode at that point. So when you uh, go off and you start creating these trainings, what is your? You know, you talked about. How can we help people be proficient in all of them? How do you start to organize these so that you're touching a little bit on all of them throughout the year? So people, when they log in and they go to the member site, they find value because time is money. Everybody is, we all have no time, no time, no time, no time to do anything. Uh, But when when the storm hits, we certainly have plenty of time then because we have no electricity and no smartphones. So how do you feel like you're building the trainings? so that people find the value now to do the things now to be prepared to respond and recover then.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's really difficult because like I said before, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas of what they want to focus on and nobody finds importance in anything other than what they want to learn. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I think you assist me, you know, as well as a few others on creating content weekly to try and touch on topics Although there's not a lot of meat on the bone there, there's still enough general knowledge on certain things to assist people and motivate people to to want to look into things a little further. But I think, you know, it goes back to the old saying, you know, of or or to start out with basics. Right. So. Like, for instance, communications, and you touched on communications and how I'll just go buy a cheap ham radio and that's about all I need to know, right? Well, I look at it like, well, if I start with basic and explain how comms is more than just a a radio, right? Comms starts with being able to communicate with your family. I mean, if I can't talk to my wife and emergency hits, how are we going to survive, right? So communications starts there. And if I can get everybody just to have great communication at the dinner table every night, I've won. And you you don't even realize the value that was brought there until something happens and you need that. And then you may not never understand the value that was brought to you because it's just, it should be natural with everyone. Right. And we slowly build on that. So then we move on to the next phase. What's the, what's the next step? What's the next step? And just slowly build it up. But what I do in tandem with that is try really hard to get the message out to other people to say, look, reach out to the groups join groups, meet, meet with your area group, your state, you know, your region when they have events and learn. There's training everywhere all around you. And if you just participate in it, you'll, you'll, you'll learn faster on all the topics, but there's really no method or answer to that question because really everyone has a different idea of how they want to attack things and how they want to learn. So I just, I just have started with the basics and if i can get everybody to basically understand all of the topics and what they encompass then they have a great foundation to move on and the second step of of the training program which i will start attacking come january 1st cuz basic will be done will be to start to implement that second tier, right? That comms second tier. So now we've understood that we need to have communicate with our family. Now that we've, we're communicating with our family and we understand there's things like ham radios and GMRS radios. Now let's start to dive into those. What is a ham? What is a GMRS? How do we operate these? How do they work? Right. And we build that. And that's just one topic, right. Out of all the 12 and we start to grow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be a, a, a ham operator, you know, the guru of all hams out there by next phase, right? It's, it's, it's growth, but you may desire to be that. And so you will, you know, there's, I'll be able to direct you to those avenues to fast track you and get you to that place you want to be. Um, I hope people lean on me. I hope they reach out to me and say, hey, you know, Denny, I really want to be a comms guru. Where do I go? And boom, I can send you right to Max or all the people that we have in American Contingency. And Jesse, they'll tune you up right away and get you. you, You'll be before you know it, you'll be our trainer.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, you touched upon so many amazing things, but it's the idea that. If you are willing to put forth the effort and you show up and you say, I want to learn something, there's going to be opportunities for other people to share their knowledge with you. We do. And I remember talking with, uh, you know, Tom and you a long time ago about this idea that we start off with the basic, we move to intermediate. Eventually, these trainings get to, into these expert levels. And we even do things now where regions will get together. I know um, Alabama did like a, a nature survival test recently. I know that uh, when we had Derek on in California, he talked about how he had people doing survival training uh, out in the West Coast. And I know I've talked to people in the South who've done that. So we've got these these states and these regions putting on events to say, okay, can you start a fire in under five minutes with all of your equipment being wet? And then once you've done that, you got to go on to the next station and the next station. And I was like, wow, that sounds like some cool stuff I would have loved as a Boy Scout. Now when I was fifty. I'm still excited by the idea of running around in the woods and trying to figure out all these cool little survival things to get to the end, to to win. You know, I mean, it's not like we're giving away trophies here, but it's to win the knowledge that I have learned and I can actually apply.
1: Yeah, that's uh, and and that's a, another part of what I'm doing here is to try and reinforce that now because that has been the trend. Uh, is seeing all these groups. Uh, create these challenges, these adventure challenges, these environments. And so we want uh, on a national level to support that now, to to expand on that, to help assist and create and, and grow that across the country. But you got to remember, you know, I still have to cater to all those people that don't want to participate in that. There's a lot of people that don't want to be that. You know, they just want to learn how to. So I have to, you know, have almost a couple of different lanes to work in. Right. And but that's a lane, you know, I don't want to give too much away on your podcast, even though I love giving away stuff on your podcast. But that is something, you know, coming into next year, we are really on a national level going to try to um, present on a national level and encourage and um, award you know, members for participating in that. So, you know, look ahead to that. That's going to be something big for American Contingency in the future is to, to host these things across the nation, you know, all the time.
0: That's awesome. I love yeah. just the scope at which we're growing this out. And speaking of scope, I'm going to get you out of here on this because you know how much I believe I shocked you with this question when I asked it last time because you didn't see it coming. So maybe you'll remember it, but you have a microphone. And in theory, every single person on the planet has access to this podcast. Thus, every single person could hear you answer this question. What is something about preparedness that you would want everybody on the planet to know uh, so that they could feel that when they went to bed every single night that they could rest easy knowing that they've done as much as they can do to be prepared to respond and recover.
1: Wow. Um I would say the most important thing is that preparedness is a team sport and if you're not well connected, you you probably are going to lose, maybe not in the short term but in the long term. And so if you don't spend every day trying to figure out how to broaden your circle of connection and just treat people better i mean if i if i step outside my house and wave to my neighbor every day there's a good chance that if a disaster hits i can go over there and snuggle up underneath a uh tarp or you know have a whoopee and stay warm until the police get there but if i'm flipping them off or i'm letting my dog go to the bathroom in his front yard there's a good chance that he's not right so i just say to everybody Think about the connection aspect of preparedness when you live your daily life and you'll never regret it. Even if a disaster never hits, you'll live a better life. And if a disaster does hit, well, you've won.
0: I'd love that. Uh, you know, just because Halloween just happened, I can't help but think about how I walked in the neighborhood last night. And when I saw homeowners were sitting out, you know, some of them had fires, some of them were out there and they had all of these elaborate decorations. And I just went up and I was dressed as this mascot for this one travel center that's, that's all over the Southeast and in Texas. And so I'm, Wearing this outfit and everybody recognizes this mascot. And so I immediately started to talk to all these people I had not known. And I let them know, yeah, we've lived here about six months. And, you know, we live over on this cul-de-sac. And all of a sudden I know like 10 different neighbors' names. And a lot of them turned out to be ex-military or worked in, you know, defense here on the on the base that's in Huntsville. And it was just really cool, you know, when I got back home and the girlfriend was like, well, did you meet anybody? I'm like, I met everybody, you know. <laughs> and. Yeah. It, it's like Halloween is an awesome opportunity to do that. As winter comes on and people are putting Christmas decorations up, it's like, go out there, say what's up to your neighbor, maybe help them hang a string of lights, get a gnome a little bit. Now these are people, whenever I, if I see them down the road, but like, do you remember me from Halloween? I was wearing that one outfit and they're going to be like, dude, I totally remember you. Because <laughs> any 50-year-old man wearing a, a onesie of that mascot has clearly got something going on. So I just loved how you talked about, getting to know people in your neighborhood uh, Halloween's an excellent opportunity Thanksgiving when people are outside playing after a big turkey meal Christmas decorations there's, there's these opportunities we pass up have a block party in your cul-de-sac or invite people over to your house and you know make some hors d'oeuvres and just get to know one another uh, the, my last episode was about building strong communities uh, you know discussing uh, how, how to be resilient in the face of uh, disasters and, and how to do conflict resolution three main things you would need if you you're going to build a community leadership area. Uh, It's just fantastic that you talk about this, that you train about this. It's an honor to have you come on again and discuss all of this. Uh, Is there anything I haven't asked you, and I've asked you a lot, that you wanted to cover (laughs) before we get you out of here?
1: I don't think so, Jesse. You know, it's been a pleasure to be back on. You know, I love what you do. I love that you're out there, you know, spreading the good word about preparedness and American contingency. I think it's important that everybody out there hears what we do, because some people don't even know we exist, right? They're just stumbling along in life, trying to figure it all out. And they don't realize there's others out there just like them. And there's a whole community, American contingency, where you can go and we all gather here, right? So just keep on doing the good work, man.
0: You too, Denny. I love when you bring out new trainings. I look forward to working with you more in 2024. So that's it, my friends. Denny G, he is our lead. He is our training coordinator. What is your official title? I feel like I should have written it down, but I didn't do that.
1: I think it's national training coordinator, but I like to just be called Denny G.
0: Denny G. And that's why I probably just let it slip my brain. I'm like, you've never cared too much about the title. You care about what you're doing to help other people become prepared. I am honored to have you as a member of our team. I'm honored to be on the team with you. This has been a fantastic opportunity to catch up with you. I look forward to bringing you back on in 2024 as you launch new trainings, as we get more participation and more growth. And hey, great opportunity to uh, shamelessly plug our vlog cast, which it could be on Vimeo, It could be on Facebook, our group could just be in the members portal at some point. But you and me are doing the vlog cast now. We don't really have a name for it other than the American Contingency vlog cast. Like, this is a podcast. But either way, we're doing it, and we're really excited for that.
1: Yeah, and I think the membership, are really going to love it. And I think even more than that, I think people outside of the membership will really start to gravitate toward it. Because we really are just putting out good information and trying to just you know promote that conversation get more people aware that you you really got to start waking up and getting prepared and just you know be better connected be prepared you just never know what's around the corner right and that's what that's what we're doing
0: yeah you just you never know and it's hilarious and we'll definitely get out of here on this is that so many people stare at the television and watch the news oh. and then it 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 accelerates their heart rate it's that fight or flight well we can't flee because this is where we're at, so if you want to fight metaphorically, not literally go out and beat up somebody, but if you want to fight, American contingency is your place to learn how to how to stand up to what's going on out there and be prepared for whatever may come your way. That's right. So that's it, my friends, finishing up our year strong. We're going to have Tom Rigsby come back on and talk about a year at Amcon for the month of December. For now, I'll let you out of here on this. We are helping you move from a level of uncertainty to some level of certainty in a chaotic world. So when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next, join us at AmericanContingency.com. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.